girl in school who loved every part of it, okay? I loved learning new things. I loved writing papers. I loved doing assignments and learning all of this stuff. And I even enjoyed taking tests, okay? I was just really, really bizarre sometimes. And so I loved school, but one of my favorite parts about it was when I got to turn in my assignment and I got it back and there was like this huge red A plus at the very, very top of it. Like that was just the best feeling in the world to me. So I loved it. And so you could say that, yeah, I'm a nerd. I am self, I'm, I admit it myself, I am a nerd. And so as you would probably guess, whenever it came time to have like partner projects in school, all of the people with like the D minus average would just line up to be partners with me because they knew that I was gonna carry them. No matter how much effort they wanted to put in it, I was gonna get a good grade. So they could totally slack off. And so that's what would always happen to me. And you'd think that that would be like super, super frustrating because these people were basically making me do their work for them, but I loved it. I loved it because it meant that I got to do the assignment myself. I got to do every single part of it without someone getting in the way and doing it wrong. And it was so great. So it seemed to be a win-win situation for both of us. Except it really wasn't because my partner, he never invested the time into the project that he needed in order to learn something. He wasn't able to invest that time, so he never got anything out of it. So when it came time to take the test at the end of the week or whatever it may be, and goody-goody Madeline wasn't there to carry them, they would end up landing right on their butts because they hadn't learned anything. They hadn't invested the time, and so they were actually screwed by the time that the test came around. And I think the same, the same thing can go for our faith. Some of us look at our faith and we find that it and our relationship with God is really just hollow because we never invested any time in it. It's fake and it depends completely on another person to succeed. Now, I have spent hours upon hours at this church. My dad is a pastor. My family was always super, super involved. And I even volunteered every single Sunday, never missed a service. And because of all of this, I thought that I had this great relationship with God. Because of the people around me, because of the time that I spent here, I thought my relationship was great. But I was wrong. See, I was depending completely on the people around me to carry my faith. And because of this, I never really invested any time into my relationship with him because I never felt like I had to. I thought, oh, you know, my dad's a pastor, so I don't really need to read my Bible. And, oh, my mom, she, she volunteers every single Sunday and sings in the worship band. So I don't need to tithe or have a quiet time. I was depending on their favor with God to get me by. And I thought that because my parents had this great relationship with God and I was associated with them, that I had a great relationship with God too. But associating yourself with Christians, it doesn't work because faith doesn't come with association. Faith doesn't come by attending church. Being friends with Christians and coming to church doesn't make you Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Each of us has to take our ownership and responsibility of our faith, and this is going to set us up for the rest of our lives. So I actually have someone that's going to help me illustrate this tonight. Where's Joe at? There he is. Nice tracksuit, buddy. You stylin'. I like that. Okay, okay, so this... 
Joe is going to help me here. So let's just say that Joe here is that person. He's that person that we just talked about. He goes to church and he's surrounded by godly people, but he hasn't really pursued his own relationship with God. And so they are going to start screwing this, these screws into the board, and they're going to get him a little bit in there. There you go. There you go. There you, oh, is it going to work? Come on, Sean. No. There we go. We're going to do it. There you go. So let's say that that one right there, that screw represents Joe's family's faith, okay? That one represents his family's faith. And this next one, this one is going to represent his friend's faith. And these screws are each going to go into him, but they're not actually going into him. They're going around him. You see how none of those are going in there? Hopefully, no one, nothing's going into your skin yet, right? No, oh, it's moving, it's moving. So each one of these screws represents something, represents his parents' faith, represents his friends' faith, represents the time that he spends at church, the time that he volunteers. And so eventually, each one of these screws is going to completely surround him. If we can get our um, handy-dandy Bob the Builderman to get the screws to work. There you go. There we go. Now we got an arm in there. No? It didn't work. You should be scared. These guys don't seem like they know what they're doing very well. Sean, have you used one of these before? Many times. You have? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you know what? I wouldn't mind if one were to hit his skin. I don't think that would be that bad. No. We could actually teach on the crucifixion tonight instead of owning your faith. Does that sound like a good idea? No? What do you think, Joe? No? I don't, think he, I don't think he likes that idea. So each one of these screws is going to represent something. Maybe his parents' faith, like we said, his friends' faith, his siblings' faith. Sean dropped his family's faith. He dropped it on the floor. Oh, the Jesus part. Oh, uh-oh. That's a whole nother sermon. You got it. Okay. Is he pretty screwed in there? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. You're kind of loud. Can you keep it down a little bit? Maybe make your drill bit thing make less noise? No? I think we're good. I think he's good in there. Yeah? Thanks, Will. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh! <laughs> What's going on, Joe? <laughs> Is he in there? Let's see. We've got one, two, three. Maybe only one on Will's side. They were kind of what? Oh, they were. They were weak in their faith. Hmm, that's so good. I think your tracksuit is just too thick. Do you work out in that, Joe? Yeah. I think you're good. I think you're pretty. Oh my goodness. I didn't realize how awkward this was going to get. You think you're in there? Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. This is one of my favorite illustrations. I love this. Okay, so now all of these screws, they are supporting him and they are holding him up. But 
if we fail to take ownership of our faith, if we, continue, if we continue to merely draw upon strength and guidance of godly influences in our lives, we are going to fall flat on our faces when those influences are removed. No, no, not yet. No, you're, you're still good. You're still just hanging out. Yeah, you're just hanging. It's not comfortable, but you're, you're there. You're good. Yeah, so you could fall flat on your face when the influences are removed. And when that happens, we could fall into temptation. We could fall into sin. We could stop going to church completely. We could completely lose out on the most important, fulfilling relationship in our lives. Just getting by, just doing the bare minimum, it's only going to work for so long, right, Joe? Yep. Okay, so there is a Bible in, there's a person in the Bible that is living life similarly to how Joe is right now. He is up there on that board. He is surrounded by people that have a godly faith, but he doesn't really have it himself. And his name was Joash. So his story is found throughout the book of Second Chronicles. Can you guys say Joash? Joash. 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 Yeah. Yeah, Joash. So Joash became king of Judah at the ripe old age of seven years old. Can you guys imagine a seven-year-old being president? Yeah, imagine your seven-year-old little brother ruling a country. Wouldn't that blow your mind? Like if I was a seven-year-old that was in charge of a country, the things that I would do, oh my gosh, I would probably use all of the people's money to buy myself like shoes and dolls, and I would probably send my army out like armed in tutus and use and have them use like bedazzlement guns as their weapons. Like that would be me as a seven-year-old as a ruler. And you guys are lying if you don't think that you would be similar, right? I mean, it would not have been good. But Joash was actually quite an impressive king, even at such a young age. Why was this? Because he had a godly mentor named Jehoiada by his side that was helping him, telling him what to do. So Joash, with the help of Jehoiada, did some pretty awesome stuff. Like he led the people of Judah into rebuilding God's temple. And everything was great in the land of Judah, even with Joash as a king at such a young age. He was proving himself to be a great kid with a lot of potential. But when Joash's mentor Jehoiada died, no longer was he able to rely on Jehoiada's faith to lead and support him. The chair gets ripped out from underneath him and everything goes to crap. Joash was just like Joe up there on that board. Things were working out for a little bit, but when that chair came out from under him, it didn't work out so well. He fell flat on his face. I bet you he was wishing he had a real faith now, right? That was kind of embarrassing. You all right, Joe? Because you didn't have the right faith. You were, you were lying on other people. Sorry, that will only last so long, Joe. I'm really sorry about that. Can everyone give him a hand? He did a great job. He risked his life if we were honest. There you go. Good job. There you go. Okay. Okay. Oh, you, you look like a gangster. I like your new outfit. Woo! I like it. You're styling. All right. So Joash was unable to rely. 
He's such a white guy. He can't even pull that off like at all. <laughs> sorry, Joe. I'm real sorry. So Joash was unable to rely on that faith that was surrounding him any longer. What he needed was faith to go through him. He needed some of those nails to go through his body as well. Should we get Joe back out here? Yeah. Maybe we should try that. Maybe we'll see if that will work out a little better. There you go. You're ready. Joe, is your tetanus shot up to date? Oh, wait, what? No, we can't do that. No? No? Mm. Sean says no. Aw, boo, Sean. Aw. So Joe is not going to come back out here, unfortunately, but what he really needed was something to go through him that would hold him to that board beside something that was just surrounding him. Now that Jehoiada is gone, Joash ends up really screwing things up. Get it? Screwing? <laughs> okay, he screws things up. Nothing is supporting him any longer. And this is what happens next. Second Chronicles 24, 17 through 18 says, But after Jehoiada's death, the leaders of Judah came and bowed before King Joash and persuaded him to listen to their advice. They decided to abandon the temple of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and they worshipped Asherah poles and idols instead. Because of this sin, divine anger fell on Judah and Jerusalem. Now, have you guys ever noticed that when you talk to a child, they have like zero attention span? It's similar to like talking to Will. It's kind of the same thing. Really, really low attention spans. It takes like two hours to carry a conversation with them. You'll be like, oh, hi, little Sally. How was your day today? And she'll be like, oh, it was so good because I got to go, oh, hey, look over at that leaf. Like it's ridiculous. You cannot carry on a conversation because of their attention span. And the same thing happened with Joash. At first, he's like, oh, I love God. He's so amazing. I'm going to build him this big, beautiful temple, and I'm going to worship him. And then like two seconds later, as soon as Jehoiada dies, he's like, oh, look at that God over there. He's shiny and pretty and bedazzled. I'm going to worship him instead. This is going to be fun. Like no attention span whatsoever. Just completely abandons his God. Maybe you're living life the way that Joash and I were. You were that person up there on that board, depending on others to completely hold you up. And you realize now that that's a scary place to be. You might say that you, for too long, you have been relying on the faith of someone else to just get you by. And this was me too, but I got tired of just getting by. I began to crave a real relationship with God. One that I worked for, one that I took time to invest in. One that would be life-changing, like the one that my parents had. I was tired of depending on others to give me something that I desperately needed to build for myself. So maybe you're like me. You show up on Wednesday nights, but that's the extent of it. Your faith is shallow and hollow, and you've been fine with it up to this point. But it could be so much better. You don't have to settle for hollow faith. You can take ownership of your faith and make it grow into something life-changing. And tonight, I want to give you guys two things that I had to do in order to do just that. And the first was take time at church seriously. For some of you in this room, you've been coming to 4640 for a while. But if you were honest... It's because you get to hang out with your friends and do fun stuff on the elements. And that's great for someone like Josh. But if you 
want incredible faith. Faith like the Davids, like the Daniels, like the Queen Esthers. That's not going to work. You have to take your time in the presence of the Holy Spirit seriously. You need to worship your face off. You need to listen to the sermons. Because believe it or not, Pastor Will and Pastor Joe actually know what they're talking about. It's shocking, but they do. You have to pay attention and realize that while getting to hang out with your friends and hang out on the elements is so much fun, it's not why you're here. You are here to build your relationship with God. The spider jump is just an added bonus. Every Wednesday night, the Holy Spirit shows up in this place. He fills the rooms to overflowing, and it's incredible. Does he come because he has to? Does he come because he says, oh, they're doing a worship service, so I just have to show up, that's my job. No, he comes because he wants to seek after you. He wants to find you. He is desperately searching for you. How blessed are we that we have a living God that shows up for us, that is so in love with you that he shows up for you even when you're not paying attention. Even when you're texting on your phone or you're talking to your friend, he's sitting right beside you. The king of kings, the creator of the universe is sitting right there waiting for you to turn and look at him. He's waiting for you to put down the phone waiting for you to stop talking to your friends and go after him and seek him with everything that you have. Psalm 14, 2 says, the Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. So when I was about 13 years old, I would wait for these amazing God encounters and experiences to happen for me. I saw them happening all around me to my friends and my family, and so I was like, you know what? I showed up to church today. I'm entitled to one of those too. But the only thing that I was entitled to was a wake-up call. Yes, God shows up for you, but you have to seek Him too. You still have to meet him halfway by worshiping and going after him. You do. Not your friends, not your family, you. You have to seek him to find him. So after I took this step and I began to take my time at church seriously, things changed. My relationship with God blossomed. I did encounter him. I did begin to feel his presence on a whole new level that wasn't good enough. Sure, I was seeking God, but it was only for one hour once a week. God wanted more from me, and I knew it. So this is when I began to listen to the advice of every pastor that I had ever known. I needed to give him my personal time as well. I needed to commit time to him each day. And that's the second point tonight. Spend time daily with God. Now this is called a quiet time when you are with Jesus. In everyone's quiet time, it looks a little differently. I started out just listening to worship music on my way to school. Whether I was in the bus or in my car, I was blasting worship music. And this was great. It was filling me up on a daily basis and I loved it. But then, it wasn't enough anymore. So I was like, okay, well now I'm gonna blast worship music, but I'm also gonna pray. 
I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to ask him to give me a good day, to bless me with a good day. And then I'm going to talk to him about things as crazy as talking to him about my future, praying for my future spouse, my future children, my future career. Talk with him. And that was great for a while too. I loved that and it would fill me up. But then that wasn't enough. So my next step was, okay, you know what? I am going to have a quiet time. I'm going to spend 30 minutes every day. I'm going to wake up early, and I'm going to spend it with Jesus reading my Bible. And this was great. I would crack open my Bible. I would read his word, and it would just set me up for a great day. And then I was like, you know what? I'm reading my Bible, but I think I could get more out of this. I think that I could learn more from what he's saying. So I got a Bible study book. And it's actually called Seeking a Heart Like His by Beth Moore. That was my first Bible study. And it's on the story of David. And I had read the story of David before. I had heard about it. I had heard tons and tons of sermons about it. But God spoke to me through this book like he had never done before. I learned the most insane, beautiful life lessons from this that I would have never learned had I not given the time to God to teach them to me. With each one of these baby steps that I took, God began to take steps closer to me too. James 4.8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. And this is so true. I began to feel so much closer to him. I began to feel this overpowering love and adoration for him. And after going on this journey, I will never go back. I will never go back to settling on surviving on someone else's faith. It's hollow and it's unfulfilling and a relationship with him is too precious. Many people do not begin taking their relationship with God seriously until they're older. They think, you know what? I'm too young. I'm too young for this. I have time in the future to do all of this. I'm just going to be a kid. But can you imagine how amazing your relationship with him will be in 15 years if you, if you start building on it now? If you start spending time with him now, how amazing it's gonna be in 15 years? I've been having quiet times for two years and that's blown my mind. I can't imagine how cool it will be after 15 years. I could be like Joyce Meyer's status one day, guys, and so could you. By taking just a few baby steps in your faith, you can move from being a Jewish kid who depends on an adult for everything to a Jehoiada, whose faith is so unique and amazing that he leads a king into building an altar for his God. Stop settling for mediocre faith like I did. It is nothing that you should be putting on the back burner. It is without a doubt the most important thing in your life. It takes precedence over your sports. It takes precedence over your family, over your schooling, over your friends, over your vanity. Your relationship with God is over everything. Everything. And if you are honest with yourself in this moment right now, you might say, I'm that person on the board. I'm that Jewish, I'm that person that's not putting my relationship above everything. I have been stuck in a rut for years and I am not moving forward and I'm tired of it. If that's you right now, we're gonna do something. We're gonna do something about it right now. 
Now, a lot of you might right now might say, you know what, I've done the salvation prayer. I've already asked Jesus into my heart, but we're gonna do it again. And this time, you're gonna say it even if you've done it a million times before, but it's gonna be different because this time you are gonna mean it. You are gonna own it. You are gonna own that salvation. You are gonna stand up and say, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being up on that board. I am gonna own my faith tonight. It is gonna be different. I am gonna seek after God and it is gonna be the most amazing journey of my life. And it's gonna happen right now. So I want you all to stand up. I want this to be different. So go ahead and stand up. Now bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I love you so much. I am so sorry for not owning my faith in the past. I am ready to start now. Please forgive me for my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you were raised to life again and that one day I will see you in heaven. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. I dedicate my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, you can go ahead and take a seat, guys. With this step, we're saying no more. No more superficial faith. We are done with that, and we are moving on to bigger and better things. And now it's time for us to take those steps that we talked about. Just tweak your life just a little bit. Spend your time just a little bit differently. Come to 4640 next week on fire for God, ready to worship him and listen to him like you've never done before. And tomorrow morning, wake up and speak to him. Spend time with him. And you guys are going to be amazed by just what those two things will do for your relationship and in turn your life. It's going to be amazing. We love you guys so much and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.